believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. This is where there is a commonality of capability between the original Goel who tapped out and said, I cannot, and Boaz. They both, listen very carefully, they both were economically capable of fulfilling this task of the Goel. So let's say, for example, neither one of these guys is very wise with money. Neither one of them can buy the lot back. So you just got, who's next? Start going through the family registry, second cousin twice removed, Uncle Ernie that lives in New Jersey. You know, you start going through the list and trying to find someone that is qualified and can economically do what needs to be done. So this is, listen, this is not just an availability situation here. It's a, it's a, it's a genetic situation because you have to be in the family line. You have to have the bloodline, right? Tribe of Judah, Elimelech's immediate relatives. So there's only so many people that would... If you're from the tribe of Benjamin, you can't be the Goel. You have to be from the tribe of Judah and connected to this family. But even so, just because you're like, like they say, you can't choose family, just because you're family doesn't mean you can do it. You had to be economically the head, not the tail. Because now you're buying property for someone else. How many of us can buy a house for someone else? or land. How many of us can buy a vehicle, because those are hard assets in 2022, for someone else? How many of us can contribute financially to send someone overseas on a mission trip, or send away to a YWAM base or Bible college for four months in in York, England or something? Like, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about having the economic strength to be able to do something economically for someone else. That's what we're talking about here. So now, to even be able to step up and do this, but the first girl said he could. I can buy about that. She said, two guys that have money in the bank. The first girl, yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I can do that. But no, not, not the girl. Boaz was economically able to meet this need. This gets my attention, because this, at least for five minutes or so, we want to talk about the economic element of him being able to do something here. If he doesn't, if he's not economically ahead, he can't do this. It's that simple. Now, we all have different places in life. We have different financial needs. We have different financial stuff that we face. And I've talked quite a bit on biblical stewardship and sowing bountifully. John Wesley said you should work hard. That's rule number one of biblical finances. Work hard as unto the Lord. Number two, save as unto the Lord. And number three, sow bountifully as unto the Lord. Those are the three things John Wesley said, the founder of the Methodist Church, over two centuries ago. Work hard, save, and sow. And you live for 80 years and you try and balance those things out. 
The debtor is always a slave to the lender. And as we go into debt, bad debt, there's good debt and bad debt. Good debts you're using the bank's money to make money for you and not paying taxes to Caesar. That's good debt. Bad debt is you're living beyond your means every month and digging a hole that you're not going to be able to get out of. The problem with bad debt is you're presuming, and we've talked about this, you're presuming that God's going to give you tomorrow to clear a debt that you can't manage your affairs today. So as you build debt on month-to-month cost-of-living debt, on a credit card or whatever, what's happening is you are living in 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 a standard by which is not maintainable. And you're going in reverse. And the real, the real test of where you're at for eternity is if you step into eternity today, what's your net worth? Are you leaving wealth behind for people around you to pay for your memorial, your funeral? That's usually about 15 grand minimum. Are, are, are the burial costs being passed on to the people that love you? Are you leaving debt for them? Are you leaving generational wealth for your children, your, your grandchildren? Because a wise man, a, a righteous man, leaves inheritance to his children's children. And I've traveled the world, and we in this country have way more economic opportunity than anywhere else I've ever been on planet Earth. Not even close. The opportunities in America, even to this day, are, are there. Almost anyone in this state in this county can show up somewhere tomorrow and get a job for 15 bucks an hour to put food in their stomach and begin a process to put a roof over their head. Now, a lot of people left California because of the cost of living. We understand that. And it might be more affordable somewhere else. And we know inflation is at 7 to 15%, depending on how you define it. We all realize what's going on right now. But the bottom line is this. If the Lord is our provider, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us, food and clothing, and we're to acknowledge him with our first fruits. The tithe is where he says, put me to the test. It's the only thing he says like that in the entire Bible, by the way. Put me to the test and I'll show myself to you. And just a footnote. For about 15, 18 years, I used to tell people, we're not under the tithe. We're not under the law, blah, 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 and all that stuff. We give as we choose to give, which, of course, the New Testament says. But let me tell you why I turned it around economically is when I began to tithe. When I began to tithe... And I would always tithe and honor the Lord the first fruits of my fruit, the first fruits of my increase. I've been blessed ever since. Very blessed. And because I tithe, I'm free from fear with economics because I know that I'm putting the Lord first. I'm acknowledging him first. Because I sow bountifully beyond the tithe because I choose to, I don't fear a bad economic day. I'm not going to, if the whole economic world of Joy Brand Enterprises falls apart, I'm not going to say, oh, I want, like, oh, Lord, why? Maybe I should have done this or should have done that. No, I cast my bread upon many water, and I start with the Lord. And by the way, when people leave this church and go somewhere else, you know what I tell them to do? Do not tithe to this church. Because where your treasures, your heart will be also. So all of our friends that moved to Texas, the last thing I tell them is, don't send us your tithe. You need to invest your tithe in Texas where you are. Because that's your new home. And the sooner you find your home church and start tithing, your heart's going to be there too. And that's your future. We're your past. If you want to send us beyond the tithe, good for you and good for us. Because about half of what we do goes into international missions. That's your business. But don't send me your tithe. You tithe in Indiana. You tithe in Idaho. You tithe in Pennsylvania. You tithe where you go. Because we're trusting the Lord and we don't need your tithe. We need the Lord. And we're God, guys, he provides, right? So Boaz... Stayed in the land during a famine. 
when people, including his relative, Imelech, left. But he stayed, and he prospered. Like Isaac sowed in the land, and he prospered. And he was a generous man. He was a wealthy man. Boaz worked hard, Boaz saved, and Boaz gave, right? What did he do in chapters 2 and 3? He's giving out stuff to other people. That's who we want to be. I see what the Lord's shown me. And I know why I'm blessed as a person. I know my family's blessed, my kids are blessed, and this church is blessed. And I want you to be blessed. And maybe you are blessed because you understand biblical principles in economics. But oh, is there a worse witness? Ah, let me reframe that. Don't presume God's going to give you tomorrow to clear up your debt. If you've got bad debt, clear it up as quickly as possible. And don't put that on people when you step into eternity. Clear up your mess. Don't put that on anyone. That's a bad witness. Because Jesus on the cross, Jesus risen from the grave, Jesus at the right hand of the Father is not about being the tail. It's about being the head. And for sure, we're called to forsake all things. I get it. We understand New Testament stuff. But the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And the Bible says that you who used to steal, work hard and have something to give. And the one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Boaz was economically able to step up and buy this property for someone else. And by the way, I can't think of a more honorable way to live the last 20 years of your life than being like that person, that woman, that man. Because that's the, that's the woman God will use. You're the conduit that God will use. When it really is about moving things for the kingdom to bless others, then you... Raul, when he moved to Texas, he told his father-in-law who ran the, the company, I will move to Texas under one condition. If you will tie 10% of all company profits to the ministry of my choice. And his father-in-law said, yeah, I'll do that. They send tens of thousands to Franklin Graham's ministry at Samaritan's Purse. And their company has thrived and flourished in Texas. I could go on and on and on. But he was economically able. So, and what's next for you? If what's next is like, say you live somewhere out of state, and what's next, God says, you're going to California. You're like, well, how's that work? Because I talked to someone five years ago, and they said, we believe God's calling us back to California. Okay, so you're a young couple. Let me ask you this. How much money have in the bank? None. What's your credit? I don't have any credit. Well, it's not bad or good. No, I just don't have any credit. Okay. Um, what's, your, what's your job? I don't have a job. We live with my family. <laughs> let me break it down to you. If you're going to move back to California, you're going to need about 10 grand right now. First, last security. And you're going to need somewhere to land to get a job to show you have regular income to get the rental. And of course, now we know it's way different than five years ago. And I told him, I said, let me give you a lesson in life. When you have some financial liquidity that you have cash, you have more options. And God says, let's move this way. Let's give that away. Let's so that you can. But if you're in debt and you're a slave to the lender, there's not much you can do except hope something, big piece of loaf of bread falls out of heaven on your head. But that's not really how God works. And it's faithful stewardship with the little things and the big things. That's where you can be faithful and God will give you more. 
And if you're faithful with two minus, he might just give you five. And if you're faithful with five, he might give you ten. But God's looking for faithfulness. What do we learn with Joseph in the book of Genesis? What do we see time and time again? Boaz was economically able to meet this need. So next, this calling is to buy this land back for Naomi. And he says, I can do that. He can do it because he was wise and frugal with his finances. The third thing we see, he says this, the third thing. I love the third thing. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mahalon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. He said, you, need to also, you must also do this. I have bought, so he's got the, the economic resources, and here he goes, I have acquired Ruth. Isn't this beautiful? I have acquired Ruth. He's like, I'm getting married. Guys, I'm getting married. Boaz is getting married. <laughs> I talked about maybe on Tuesday night, they're the odd couple, right? The, the, the Moabite widow, the younger woman, the Moabite widow, Moabitess, and Boaz, and I said, instead of having opinions about their age or their backgrounds and all that, we should say, this is the Lord, and this is beautiful. He's like, I have acquired a wife. He's like, <laughs> He's like he looks over at the other girl like, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess. And I think he's rejoicing over it. I've acquired a wife. If a man gets a wife, he finds a good thing. And it's a good thing because men need help. We've talked about the romance and the love over this story. This is so beautiful. I've acquired a wife. So again, as we talked about counting the cost, and you must also do this, well, think about him. To marry Ruth, there's love and joy for sure. But think about the changes of his life. He's no longer, well, we don't know. There's no mention of another wife or another woman. There's no mention of marriage and divorce or anything like that or, or heirs or anything like that. So I think we can somewhat it's most likely that he had, there's no one else and that he's been a single man and a very successful one to the benefit of the community. But he's getting married. And, you know, and the whole city's excited about this too. Like, the last thought we'll have tonight is how excited everybody else is. He's like, I required Ruth. Like, man. And it's like, like, they're getting married. Getting married's a beautiful thing with the Lord. You know that, right? We all understand that, right? It's a beautiful thing getting married with the Lord. It really is. The beauty of the relationship of Jesus with the church is described as the wedding feast. We are called his bride. He's called our groom. It is, it is the apex of human understanding. Understand the beauty of two people in love getting married. That is the apex of what we understand in love in the human relationships. And God takes that and says, that's me for you, church of Jesus Christ. I'm coming for my bride. So in the love that we most understand in the human experience, God says, since you understand that, because my ways are above your ways, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts. So we can't really truly understand the magnitude of agape love of Christ on the cross and the glory to come. But he says, I will give it to you in a language you understand, the language of human love. A husband for his wife. That's my love for you. I'll give that to you that way, which you can relate to. So all that you've ever seen a wedding day May you have a smile on your face. It's a beautiful thing. And he's given up his name, his identity, his individual freedom, the lifestyle he knew. He's given it all up to marry this woman. 
Like Jesus coming down from heaven, leaving his glory to get a bride, the church, the Gentiles, the church, all nations. Boaz leaves all these things and gives them up to get his bride, the Gentile woman, the widow, Moabitess, Ruth. And he is all in, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. The whole totality of who he is, he's like, I have acquired me Ruth the Moabitess. I'm getting married. And the village is practically dancing around. The rest of the book, the rest of the chapter is they're like, they're like classic Jewish pronouncing blessings on blessings, blessings, blessings. That's what they're doing. The rest of the chapter is just pronouncing blessings. He's all in. So when you say, I am next, you count the cost. I have bought. That means you can do it. You can step up. You can do it. You prepared yourself for that moment. It's within you to accomplish what is next. And you can do it. Because you prepared yourself for that moment at the work, in the relationships, in the church, whatever it is. You prepared yourself economically, spiritually. You can do it. You prepared yourself. And now you've acquired. You've embraced what's next. And in this case, it's his wife. It's so beautiful. And as husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church, that's how Boaz is going to love this woman. You know it. He's a good man. He's a loving man. He's a kind man. He's a gentle man. He's a great husband. He won the lottery. He gets this woman that he just wants to marry. She won the lottery. She gets this incredible man. And they're going to spend the rest of their lives together sharing the journey. However many days are left, they're going to share that journey. They're going to share it, the whole human experience. He acquired a wife. He stepped up and embraced the fullest responsibilities of when you say, I will. Therefore, by the power vested in me, by the state of California and the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I now pronounce that you are husband and wife. All in. Everything. So beautiful. But there's one final thought. Before we go home tonight, that's super important. It's the blessings. Because the one who's got next and steps up and does get next and does count the cost is able to step up and make it happen and is all in for it happening. That person with the Lord, when it's the Lord, they get all the blessings. And they're a vessel of blessings. The last part of this chapter when he's, they're all witnesses before the, the, the leaders. In verse 11, it says the people were at the gate and the elders. They're all happy. They're all happy. It's like, oh my goodness, there's going to be a wedding. We are witnesses. And look what they say in verse 11. The Lord make the woman, that's Ruth, who's coming to your house like Rachel and Leah. They take this Moabitess widow, this Gentile, perpetual enemy, and say, may she be like, you know, Leah and Rachel. They're like, they're saying, may she be more than the mothers of Israel. And she was. And they say, may you prosper in Ephrathoth and be famous in Bethlehem. Oh, they did prosper. And they were famous for their grandson. Their great-grandson is King David. We all know Bethlehem. How many people knew Bethlehem on this day? How many people know Bethlehem on now, here, and now? Yes. Which, because of the offspring, and they said... 
may you bear children like Tamar to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Isn't it a beautiful thing when the Lord's all over the marriage, the wedding? The Lord make the woman like this to prosper, be famous, and your house be like the house of Perez. And then because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Then when the babies, so they get married, they, they have sexual union. She became his wife. He went into her sexually. The Lord gave her conception. Okay, so Who's behind the marriage? The Lord. Who's behind the baby in the conception? The Lord. Marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. This is the one verse in this entire love story that involves sexual union between a man and a woman, the way God blesses it. And it says, the Lord gave her conception. The Lord is in that verse. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. It's beautiful. So they have the child. And he's Obed, of course. And look at verse 14. Then the women, there's nothing like women in the village, right? A bunch of Jewish women in the village. Just a bunch of Jewish women in the village. Like, picture this. This is awesome. So what do they say? Blessed be the Lord. Again, the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. They're blessing the Lord. And they said uh, that may his name, okay, so blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. May his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a store of life and nourisher of your old age, Obed. Well, his name was famous in Israel. And he was a restorer of life. But listen, this is the closing kicker. So Naomi, who said, don't call me pleasant, but call me bitterness, Mara. There's a scene where she's got Obed on her lap, like Greg McCune with John, you know, or something like that. Or Tammy, with, you know, John, or, or me and Jennifer with her when we got Bon Bon or... Remy, it's just like, oh, it's just this scene. It's like the happiest scene. Incredible scene. Beautiful scene. It's like the last scene of this movie, episode four, this last scene. That's the way it ends with the epilogue saying, and then they had this children, and then David came, and the rest is history. But this phrase got my attention. Verse 15, may he be to you a restorer of life and nourisher of your old age. You know, the whole story revolves around Jesus Christ. And the whole story is about Obed giving way to Jesse, giving way to David, and Jesus coming through David. Because the ultimate Goel and the ultimate kinsman redeemer is not Boaz, but Jesus Christ. For we've been redeemed not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of a lamb. And we sing in Revelation chapter 5, you who have redeemed us by your blood. He's redeemed us from the power of sin, the power of the devil, and and the, the fear of the grave. The church is redeemed by Jesus Christ. He's our ultimate Goel redeemer, much greater than Boaz to this family. But in this story of redemption, it's the offspring of Boaz and Ruth, Obed, who then leads way to David, who gives way to Jesus. And that's what's so fascinating in the kicker in the story is that in Matthew's gospel, the genealogy has Boaz and Ruth. In Luke's gospel, that goes all the way back to Adam, very important, it has Boaz, but not Ruth. So here's the most amazing thing. From the dawn of creation with Adam, all the way to the time of Christ, there's a genealogy of the promised Messiah coming, and this story is the express lane. This is the hav lane on the East Coast. This is the one that's just going right through. This is the lane. You say, stay in your lane. This is the lane of the Messiah. Who doesn't just restore the life of the bitter woman, but restores humanity. 
For in Adam, all sin and die, the first Adam. But in the second Adam, next, all will be made alive. The first Adam failed sin and death. Next up is Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And where Adam failed, Christ triumphed. And a restorer of life, they're just talking in the human terms of time, space, and matter. That grandson, that that son, Obed, and then the great-grandson, David, it's such a bigger story than just one woman not having bitterness anymore over her heartache. It's a story of redemption for all humanity. And it's the greatest love story in the universe. It's God's love for us, proven through his son, Jesus Christ, our Goel, kinsman, redeemer. And so we can say tonight, through faith in Jesus Christ, what Paul said. I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. For the Lord is my shepherd, and he's coming. That's our Goel. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.